Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, March 1st, 2018. And today, let's see, we are going to be reading from the big book and we're going to be on page 22 in the chapter, I'm sorry, did I say 22? We're going to be in actually 32 in the chapter more about alcoholism, and we're going to read paragraph 1 and paragraph 2 today in its entirety and focus our study and comments there. They begin with, though there is no way of proving it, and then ends at the top of page 33 with, was dead within four years. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Leslie M., the 12 Traditions, Chrissy O., and reading the text and support today is Kathy Jo P., Stephanie L., and Mary H. The reference numbers, which will be also referred to as the share ID numbers, for yesterday's 10 a.m. meeting is 11108, 11,108, and that would be for Wednesday, February 28th. And then for this morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, that reference number, share ID, is 11111, 11,111. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At the Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Leslie M. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. This is Leslie M. Um, from Long Island, New York. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, 
continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Leslie M. I will now ask Chrissy O. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Chrissy O. in Florida. May I be heard? Uh-huh. Tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever Chrissy, we lost you. Overeaters Anonymous. I apologize. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. A public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Chrissio. Thank you very much. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study 
of the Big Book on page 32, paragraph 1 and 2. And I will ask Kathy Jo P. to begin reading an open discussion. Star 1, Kathy Jo. Star 1, Kathy Jo. That will unmute you. Mary H., would you be able to kick in right away here? Hello, this is Henry Torres. I'm ready, unless that's Kathy Jo. Let's see if she can do one more star one here and see if we can get her to come on. This is Kathy Jo P. Can I be heard? Yeah, sure you can. Thanks so much. We're ready. Oh, my gosh. I don't understand today. Anyway, a recovered compulsive overeater in Minneapolis. Though there is no way of proving it, we believe that early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. But the difficulty is that few alcoholics ever, few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is still yet time. We have heard of a few instances where people who showed definite signs of alcoholism were able to stop for a long period because of an overpowering desire to do so. Here is one. A man of 30 was doing a great deal of spree drinking. He was very nervous in the morning after these bouts and quieted himself with more alcohol, liquor. He was ambitious to succeed in business, but saw that he would get nowhere if he drank at all. Once he started, he had no control whatever. He made up his mind that until he had been successful in business and had retired, he would not touch another drop. An exceptional man, he remained bone dry for 25 years and retired at the age of 55 after a successful and happy business career. Then he fell victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic has that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. Out came his carpet slippers and a bottle. In two months, he was in a hospital, puzzled and humiliated. He tried to regulate his drinking for a while, making several trips to the hospital meantime. Then gathering all his forces, he attempted to stop together and found he could not. Every means of solving his problem, which money could buy, was at his disposal. Every attempt failed. Though a robust man at retirement, he went to pieces quickly and was dead within four years. Um, 42 years ago, I went on Weight Watchers. I was 14 years old. That was my early career of um, trying to stop drinking. And I did the diet perfectly. And literally, I think that that ended up feeding my disease because I thought that I could stop whenever I wanted. And I did not try in a big way again until I got to OA in 1980. And I put down sugar. And I put down sugar perfectly for seven years. And again, I'm going to say that that was another time where I thought 
I can stop whenever I want because, look, I did it in 1980 to 1987. But after I picked back up, which it started with lemonade, I said, oh, I can do it when I want to, but I just don't want to now. And the wanting to, the desire to do so, was shoved under the carpet all the way up to 303 pounds and all the way up to tons of problems with relationships and blood pressure and getting fired from jobs and ripping the crotches of my pants out and not being able to barely wipe. I was so big, you know. And luckily, I ended up in a place where I came back to these rooms. And around that time, I was 49 years old, and my dad died of this disease at age 49. And he was the guy that would say, run up to the grocery store and get me a king-size Hershey bar. Go upstairs and make me, or go downstairs and make me two pieces of burnt toast with tons of butter on it. As he laid in bed and he was a diabetic and he shouldn't have been eating Hershey bars. And he died of this disease at age 49 and I was following, following in his footsteps perfectly. And I came back to these rooms and I want to say, it's not about putting down the sugar. It's not about just changing my diet. It's about working this program every single day and having that connection to my higher power that I need. It's not me who did this. It's not me who can do this. It's God. And my only way to God is by working this program and getting rid of all that keeps me from that power, whether it's the food or my character defects, my resentments, that's what I need, and I am connected. I am so grateful to be here and have God moving in my life one day at a time with all of you, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Kathy Jopi. Our focused study today is on page 32 of the big book, paragraph 1 and paragraph 2 in its entirety. Would anyone like to comment on those two paragraphs? Allison C. Ginger C. I got both of you. Allison Carol Ginger. H. Carol. Karen. Mary H. Karen. Mary. Marcy D. Marcy. Anyone else? Brandy M. Rebecca, Rebecca T. Brandy L. Rebecca. Somebody L. G-O-L. Jill, like J-I-L-L? G-E-O. G-E-O. Ellen M. Okay. Helen, Ellen M. Yes. Okay. I think that's a great lineup. I'm going to have a stop right there, please. I have Allison, Ginger, Carol, Karen, Mary, Marcy, Brandy, Rebecca, Gio, and Ellen. Good morning, Allison. Let's get going. Good morning. Allison C. in New Jersey. Can I be heard? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, this is one of my favorite stories in the big book and haven't been on in a couple of days and so I didn't realize exactly where we were and tuning in and hearing Kathy Joe and reading it, I was really happy. Um, so yeah, I had this same experience, you know. Um, I was you know, I started dieting when I was very young. I became very aware of you know, food was doing something for me. I had an abusive, traumatic childhood, and I turned to food. 
But, you know, as I got into, like, my teen years and my mom would start to poke fun at me, you know, this is not healthy. I mean, she didn't say it in such kind words, but, you know, she basically was saying, you know, this is not healthy, you know, going to Weight Watchers. I went to Weight Watchers when I was, like, 16 or 17, and I just remember being like, the boys will not like me if I do this. Um, girls will make fun of me if I'm fat and, you know, I need to have control over this. Like if I want to be happy in life, like I need to have a good body. I need to be skinny. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And so I went on Weight Watchers and I stopped, you know, like I completely stopped, you know, and that, then I stopped going to Weight Watchers and I was fine for such a long time. It was like, my self-will had completely carried me through this, like, this time period from, like, 17 to about 22. And even though it wasn't, like, this 25-year period, like, this story, um, I had this experience where, like, I was like, well, that's, like, a thing of the past for me. Like, I don't even need to diet anymore. And then it slowly started to roll back in. You know, um, a lot of things changed in my life. I, you know, I turned 21. I moved out of my parents' house. And, you know, I started drinking. And I, I had this, like, life. I bought a new car. Everything was grand. Like, everything was perfect in my life. And I, you know, I was like, you know, I could just have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, you know, in, like, a matter of weeks of making that decision that I was going to go back to, like, eating a couple things that I knew that I couldn't put in my mouth, I was, like, full-on binge mode. I had gained in a matter of, like, you know, with a crazy fast metabolism at 20 years old, I think I gained 20 pounds in, in a month or two. Um, found a way, came in, decided that wasn't for me, it wasn't working, um, and I did it for another eight years until I recently came back in. And I'm so grateful because, you know, I hear that people say, you know, if I pick up, I wouldn't pick up where I was. I would have picked up where I left off. And I believe that this is where that that little phrase is, it, it came from this part of the big book, is that, like, this guy, he picked up after 25 years, and he was, like, where he would have been if he never stopped. So. Um, thank you for letting me share, and everyone have a wonderful day. Allison C. in New Jersey. Thanks, Allison C. Ginger C., you're next, and then Carol H., if you want to get ready after Ginger, you'll come up. Great, and thank you, Melanie C. Ginger C., recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And this story is clearly telling me that I am a pickle, and I will always be a pickle. And um, I am so grateful that I found people in Virginia Beach that work this book exactly and precisely because I have never worked the 12 steps like I do now today because of these people. And I will forever be grateful, and I just pray that I never stop because the sentence that I is just really popping out to me is he is gathering all his forces. He is trying everything in his means to put down the food and to stop the insanity, to stop the pain. And he attempted this and to stop this altogether and found that he could not. And that is why I stay on this fire line, working it like my life depends on it, because I know it does. I'm so grateful for every bite I took because the desperation and the pain that that took me to, I never want to go back there. And quite honestly, I don't think I have another recovery in me. 
this is a gift today and I have to take care of it. And they and the words that Bill uses, they're strong because he's trying to get our attention and emphasize the importance. Deadly earnestness, faith without works is dead. It's not what I'm thinking. It's always what I'm doing. This program is always about action. Staying on the firing line. You know, I have this allergy, and quite honestly, once you get clean and you get clear and you put those foods down, you get some freedom and pretty quickly because the allergy's not in your body and your body's not craving phenomenon for more. But, you know, the thing is, is everything centers in my mind, and I'm pretty crazy from the neck up. So I have 10, 11, and 12 to keep me fit spiritually daily, only a daily reprieve. But this disease is progressing just as much as our recovery can progress, and I have to work it today a little harder than I did yesterday. And again, the most important reason why is because there are so many suffering outside the door, and they have no idea we exist. They have no idea there's even hope. And you walk around, and you'll bump into somebody, and you may be able to share your experience, strength, and hope, one alcoholic to another. That's all it takes. And then you get to advert misery and death for them. That is something you do not want to miss. But you better be doing it like your life depends on it because this is sneaky, it's silent, and this ego is always out to get you and edge got out. And once you lack power, once you let go of that hand, you're starting to lose power and that bite is getting that much closer to come back in. So I just pray I keep on this firing line with you guys always trudging it a day at a time and with that I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Carol H., you're next. And Karen, I'm just giving a shout for you to get ready. Carol H. Hi, this is Carol H. in Colorado. Thanks for um, all the wonderful shares. And this meeting is just great, always. I rarely share and um, felt moved to share today. Um, I just remember coming into the rooms um, back in Ohio and the very first meeting I came to, I know I was desperate. I was 40 years old and tired of um, yo-yoing and being crazy in the head and listening to an old timer who um, had been around for 30 plus years at that point and just sharing how she knew she always would have to be in this room. And um, she was such a, a pillar of strength for me early on. And then you know, little by little getting to other meetings and hearing other old timers and how this disease does not go away. It is always there. And just getting that strong sense of this is where I belong because this is the only thing that works and working the steps and coming to meetings and doing the deal day after day after day. Um, I cannot, cannot go away from it. And three years ago, um, made a life change and moved out here to Colorado and you know, had that little bit of inkling, maybe life is different now. It's very different now. Do I change? And absolutely not. I'm still, you know, a compulsive overeater. And thank God, you know, I can walk into an OA room anywhere and I can, I can usually hear what I need to hear um, and, and be there for others and just um, know that I am, I'm never going to change when it comes to having this disease. But I'm so grateful now that my life is so much better. And I think we all always share that message. And um, I need to remember that not only do I need to hear it, but I need to share it um, because nothing has ever worked in my life um, for my disease as this program has and working the steps, but also just life in general is better um, all the way around. I think all of us know that. 
um, who are here. And um, if you don't know that, as people before me have said, keep, keep coming back and keep working the steps and listening to what you hear others share because it, it, um, it, it's life-changing. So um, thanks for letting me share, and um, everybody have a great day. Thanks. Thank you, Carol H. Karen M., you're up. And Mary H., you'll come after Karen. Hi, this is Karen M. from Southern California, compulsive overeater and recovering. And um, I wanted to share just, uh, I'm nervous because it's only my second time sharing, but I wanted to share because um, this passage, like with every means um, at his disposal that money could buy, and, and I didn't have a lot of money, but I spent all my money. I spent all my money on the pay and way and packaged foods and all these things. And, um, and I hear so many people when we read this passage talk about like, and I used to dream of it too. Like when I'd see celebrities and think, wow, they have a personal chef and a personal trainer and no wonder they can do this. But, um, you know, they struggled too. And, and then I, um, actually married a chef. I married a chef and he was willing to make me, um, food that would be abstinent and, um, you know, at the end of the day, when I had a rough day with my kids or whatever was happening, and he had worked a 10 or 12 or 14 hour shift, I would call him before he left work in the middle, you know, of the night and be like, can you bring me um, a couple bags? Well, make that, why don't you just bring four so we have enough or five bags of Chex Mix or whatever the thing was that I wanted. Um, can you please stop on your way home from work to bring me that? And um, so, I mean, I had somebody who was a personal, quote, personal chef, not just for me, but he would have been willing to make my stuff, but I turned him into my dealer. I mean, seriously, I would just call him like he was my dealer. And can you bring this home for me? Can you bring this to my place? And um, and it really damaged our relationship and the absolute beauty of this program is that um, now I'm in my 10th step um, and working through four through nine and also doing 10th right now. It's, it's amazing that, you know, when he's worked a 10 or 11 or 12 hour, you know, 14 hour shift and he's coming home, um, he still texts me. It's his habit. He'll text me and say, do you want me to bring anything? And I say, just you, <laughs> just you come home. And I'm actually, you know, able to like stop and ask him how his day was. I'm actually able to let him talk first instead of launching into my entire crazy day and everything else from it. And this is not me. This is I mean, I'm so grateful for this change. I'm really, really grateful for this change. Um, so no matter what external circumstances I had and people I had um, in my life, none of that could change the fact that I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. But what has okay. changed that obsession is working these steps. So thank you all very much. Thank you, Karen M. Mary H., it's your turn, yeah. And then, Marcy D., you'll come after Mary. Good morning. This is Mary H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California, where it's raining. Yay. So, a man of 30, um, 
you know, this to me is is um, a warning that that I have to remember that this never I'm never cured, and that goes so uh, against what my disease wants to think. And I love the the word that he uses, lurking. It's such a creepy word. It's like this. They say it's lying in wait. And it is, because my disease, it's creepy. It is, uh, it's bad news. It's a bad boyfriend. And when I read this in the beginning, um, when I was first becoming recovered, I fought this. I fought this so hard. I I did not want to give this stuff up, up forever. Like, I was willing to do it for today, I couldn't even fathom never having these foods that I place so much importance on. They, I believe they were what kept me alive. And so trying to think that I have to put out of my mind that some, you know, that I'll someday, where is it here, have no reservation of any kind, no nor any lurking notion that someday I'll be immune to alcohol. I almost had to just put that on the burner and, you know, work at one day at a time. I'm just going to put it down for today. But I'm also going to remember that this book, because I'm reading it over and over again, is telling me, yeah, and it's kind of never, too. And because just like a um, somebody with a bee allergy or a peanut allergy, they don't wait 25 years and go, let's see if that that sh- that seafood allergy is really a problem anymore. You know, they just accept it. They just accept. They've done plenty of research. They know it's a problem. And they don't try it again. But with my disease, which is different than those kind of allergies, it lies in wait. And it's going to try to convince me again. So this is really a um, a warning that I need to stay in this. I need to stay connected with my people. I need to remember that this is how my disease works. And just reading this chapter over and over again with Swansea's, I go, yep, oh yeah, here's that one where I must have no lurking notion because um, that's how my disease works. And I think I'll pass with that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mary H. And Marcy D., are you there? And then, Brandy, you'll come after Marcy. Hi, I'm Marcy D. from Northern California and working towards becoming a recovered uh, compulsive overeater. Um, Boy, this is my story. In 1980, when I entered OA, I lost over 100 pounds and kept it off for 11 years. And Looking back, I I don't remember why I didn't think I needed a way anymore. I mean, I was on the speaker circuit. I led a retreat, blah blah blah, um, and and I I didn't get into trouble with food for two years, and then I hurt my back, and somehow I decided I was never going to get better, which turned out to be a big lie. But people had to come in, and my friends cooked for me. And at first, I was really precise. 
Like these are, I didn't say these are my alcoholic foods, but they were my alcoholic foods. You know, please don't cook anything with them. And they didn't. And then, you know, a month went by, six weeks went by, and somebody new had come in and cooked me food, and there was one of my alcoholic foods in there. It wasn't the obvious one, like sugar, but I knew it was my alcoholic food. And so I ate it. Within one week, I was crawling. And I've told this to people at my meetings here. I was crawling because I couldn't stand up straight outside of my car and leaned against the seat, turned the the motor on, and I, I could have been arrested by the way I was looking or driving, went around the corner where there was a store there that sold nothing but cookies. That's all they sold. And, you know, at first I just got a dozen. Well, a dozen didn't last me the whole day. That's for sure. And so that became became a relapse of nine years. And, um, you know, I'm just astonished because in all that time in OA, I never really read the big book. I kind of read it like one week, the dog has fleas. And I, I certainly didn't really work the steps of the program. And I had no faith whatsoever. I mean, I was one of those who, there is no God, don't tell me, don't tell me there is, I can do this myself. Look, I'm doing it. See how successful I am. And I had a lot of people fooled. Mostly I had myself fooled. And I'm just so, just staggeringly grateful that I found vision because even though I'm back in OA, I have been struggling for a long time. And I'm just um, at a meeting last night, at a big book meeting last night, just realizing when it says, you know, either you believe in God or you don't. God is or isn't. And it's like this awakening where I really now believe God is. I'm not quite sure what to do with that information. And maybe I don't have to do anything with it. But I do trust and I do believe. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marcy D. Brandy M., you're next. And then Rebecca T., you'll come up after Brandy. Hi, can I be heard? Mm-hmm. I'm Brandy. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from uh, Edmonton, in Canada. This is my first time sharing on the line, so I'm a little nervous, um, but I really relate to this part of the big book. Um, I've been around the rooms for about 23 years and always had the idea that somehow, some way I was, I didn't have to really do what some I saw some people doing and I always had that attitude that, and I did lose weight and, you know, I kept it off and then I would put it back on and then I would lose weight again and put it back on and this last um, probably six years, I I was able to lose a huge chunk of weight and keep it off. And so I thought, you know what, I have this, I, I can control this. I don't need to do what I hear those vision people doing. I don't need to do what people do following the big book. Um, I have this disease under control. And such crazy thinking because my disease just continued to progress and get worse. And my family life started to get worse and my work life started to get worse. Everything started to fall apart. 
But meanwhile, I would be able to put down the food and keep it down, you know, for at least a month. And then during my period time, I would pick it back up and blame it on that. And, and, you know, if only I wasn't a woman, then I would be able to lick this disease. It was crazy, crazy thinking. And, you know, I finally came to that point of desperation and my disease was back full force. And I wasn't able this time to stop. And to me, it was crazy because every other time I was able to put it back down. And in December, I picked up right after Christmas and went to the LA birthday party. And I had a stash of food in my purse because I couldn't get through the day. And I was always one of those people who said, I would never binge or do anything at a conference. Here I am flying halfway across the world to go to a conference with my chocolate bars in my purse, eating them at the back of the room. What around other compulsive readers? Like that's crazy craziness. And so it, but what it did is it brought me to a point of desperation where I was willing to do this program that I fought so much against. And what a gift because life is, I'm 47 days clean and life is so different, so different. And thank you to the people who reached out to me during that desperate time and helped me get through because the first five days were crappy and sucky and I felt like my skin was crawling, but I wanted what you people had. And so I was willing to do what I needed to do. And here I am today recovered and I'm just very grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Brandy M. Rebecca T., you're next, and then Gio will follow you. Hi, this is uh, Rebecca T. from Central California. Um, I'm so grateful and uh, happy to hear all of your shares. Um, I can connect to every single one of them. Um, it, It does help me to hear that this you know, this man was sober for 25 years and then with, you know, just one drink, went back into it. And um, I've, I've uh, relapsed probably over 40 or 50 times um, uh, in my life. And I'm now uh, 41 years old and um, I'm newly recovered uh, as well. And it is amazing. And um, I guess... Uh, I do see it as a gift. I'm I'm saddened and also extremely grateful that um, it took this last time uh, to finally get it. And uh, I would have liked to have said I was one of those people who, you know, you could, you know, you just heard it from someone. They told you what you needed to do, and and I I accepted that. But uh, yeah, I was definitely um, very stubborn and I also believed that um, this program was great for other people and I thought it was great for me at the moment uh, but that I could you know do my thing and usually it was always linked to the weight uh, get the weight down and then I can be back to my normal quote normal uh, life and um, so this last time uh, I've tried everything now and this last time proved to me that it wasn't just uh, food abstinence, which I had, and it wasn't just me getting back to, quote, a normal weight, uh, which I had. Um, but I, I wasn't working a spiritual program at all. Um, so I, you know, gained almost 50 pounds back within a matter of two months and went back spiraling and uh, quickly 
went to that OA birthday party and grabbed, uh, you know, looked at someone who had over 20 plus years of uh, recovery. And I said, for the rest of my life, I'm going to do what they're going to do. And um, so I have been, uh, you know, working the steps like my rear is on fire. And um, it's definitely shown the promises. And I see now and I'm, I'm very grateful and um, so blessed to be in these rooms. And I'm going to keep coming back, and uh, I believe. Thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Rebecca T. G-O-L, you're next. And then, Ellen, you'll come up after G-O. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Hi, I'm G-O-L, compulsive eater and recovered. (laughs) Um, I'm not really used to saying that because in my face-to-face meetings, we just say compulsive overeaters. But I have been coming to the Vision for You meetings for the past few months and working with the Vision for You sponsor um, and have regained abstinence as a result. Um, I came into the program back around 2002 and uh, like a previous speaker, wound up losing something like 100 pounds and then um, kept it off for a few years, probably four or five years, wound up having a child (laughs) and just was never able to re-lose that weight from that experience. Um, And I think, you know, the stress of life, parenting, being a new parent and all um, contributed to kind of just a negative attitude I had and um, I'm sure there are people on the line who've had this experience where when um, something has gone wrong in life, sort of getting a resentment towards one's higher power about it. Um, And that's something that I've actually been struggling with um, in recent days because as I've been working through uh, the steps with my um, Vision for You sponsor, um, and oh man, we went fast too. (laughs) I'm like already up to step step 10 after two and a half months. I was like, bam, bam, bam. But it's been great because it's been all like hardcore program from the big book, um, which, you know, I get in some of the face-to-face early meetings, but um, it's... uh, you know, just really, really concentrated in the way vision works it. Um, anyway, so I, I guess I just wanted to say that, yes, this uh, <laughs> this disease is coming ba- baffling and powerful, and no matter where you're at, I really feel like um, working the steps and concentrating on the big book is the solution. Um, you know, I like I said, I had lost a lot of weight, and I, I regained it back. And um, thank God I found this program, uh, the, these meetings, um, the Vision for You meetings, because it, it's made a huge difference. And for the first time in probably six years, I've been abstinent for more than a week. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, G-O-L. Ellen M., you're next. Hi, uh, Ellen M. in um, the San Francisco Bay Area, recovering compulsive reader. Um, first time share. I just was struck by um, the first sentence of that uh, early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. And that just reminded me, um, you know, that for, for most of my life, food has been the solution. And for the early part of my life, it worked, you know. And 
I, um, you know, I had methods to control, you know, periodic fasting, dieting, you know, whatever, um, just self-discipline. And that worked for a good part of my time of my life. And so that there was some point where I crossed a threshold and, and became a compulsive overeater. I graduated into this disease, but there's no bell. There's no like email. There's no like, Hey, Ellen, this is new, you know? So, uh, I always go back to even what was in my early life as the solution, right? So I'm sort of pre-programmed to, you know, at least, you know, to, 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 to think, oh, I'm in a stressful situation. Food will take care of that. And um, even though, you know, now in recovery, I know how much that, that what that costs. And so I've had um, uh, a couple of long periods of abstinence and uh, you, it is very easy to think, oh, well, I've got this nailed. You know, I just have this disciplined way of eating and, you know, it's all about me and I'm, you know, making my, I have, you know, I'm making my everything's working with food. And for me, what happened um, after a long period of eating and weight loss um, was life got hard. I wasn't working this program as seriously as I should have been and, and developing a spiritual life and relying upon a higher power. And so I, I'm now coming off of a four four year relapse. Um, where I gained back all my weight, which was over 100 pounds. And, um, you know, once again, we learned the lesson. And so this, that, this, is a, this is a very cunning, baffling, and powerful disease, and long periods of abstinence don't get you anything because it's not about self-discipline. It's about, you know, a spiritual program and reliance upon God. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you very much, Ellen M., Time will allow for one more person, maybe even two, if they're two, two and a half minutes. To Arlene H. And Anita. Thank you. Uh-huh, you're welcome. So, Arlene, do you want to go first? H. And I'm a compulsive overeater recovering in Vermont. I'll give you a couple of minutes, madam. Okay, um, yeah, I love what the previous speaker was talking about, that this is a spiritual problem. Um, We were spiritually bankrupt. I was definitely spiritually bankrupt, and I did not know how to handle regular life stuff, the stresses and um, the challenges, and I just wanted to blot it all out, and food for me was a solution. So early in my drinking career or my overeating career, maybe I could have and very likely I could have um, stopped overeating, but it worked for me. And I know that um, today, because of my belief in God, I stopped when I was supposed to stop. I would not want to change this for the world. Also, I I just have to say that um, the man was dead within four years. He went to pieces quickly. And this is bringing out the progression 
of the disease. The disease is a progressive disease, and it continues while we're not eating or while we're not drinking or while we're not engaging. But eating or drinking uh, um, is all a side effect. It is all a manifestation of the disease. My weight, actually, is a side effect. It's not the reason why I'm coming to Overeaters Anonymous. My come to Overeaters Anonymous, thank you, to work the 12 steps and find a spiritual solution, I pass. Thank you, Arlene H. Appreciate that. And Anita M., you'll be our last share for today on this on these paragraphs. Good morning. Two minutes for you, madam. Okay, thank you. Uh, Anita M. from California. Um, a compulsive eater in uh, recovery. And I'll tell you this, 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 we're, I'm actually reading this with my sponsor. So to have it reread again was awesome. Um, yes, progressive disease, um, insidious, baffling, cunning, powerful. But um, even though we are alcoholics of, of a sort, of a kind, if you will, or we are alcoholics, um, we have to eat. We have to eat three times a day. And it is a progressive disease, and our brains and minds want to tell us something different. And I feel like it's a three-pronged situation. It's not only the meetings and the, and the steps, but it's also me knowing the difference between what foods I can and cannot eat and then making a, a concerted effort not only to cut them out of my life, but know when they're in there, self-care. I've had to learn that, you know, understand that when I go somewhere, I have to ask what's in this or, or check ahead what's there because in in Alcoholics Anonymous it's very clear you don't get to drink you don't get to utilize mind-altering chemicals you don't get to use anything that's going to kick it uh, wake up the dragon and um and I have to learn to be respectful of what works in my body you know the red light yellow light and green light foods and it it, it is there it waits and the minute that obsession uh, allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind kicks in I'm off and running and uh, it can be it can be innocent you know, I can be somewhere and think the food's okay, and the next thing I know, there was something in it. Uh, I had that kind of sensitivity, and that's where the Time. that's where my that's where my God comes in, and, and and my and my fellowship comes in. You know, reaching out, and also setting myself up prior. In other words, don't take any chances. Take care of self. Surround myself with protection, which is the program. Time. And knowing that I'm walking. Anyway, thank you for letting me share. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Anita M., and thank you to everyone that shared. That does close out this portion of our meeting, and we will do that and continue on after we have Stephanie L. read from the big book on page 164 and followed by the Serenity Prayer. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning. This is Stephanie L., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Southern California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit 
and you will surely meet some of us as you tread the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.